in these next few weeks leading up to the summer holidays, we're going to be opening in our morning services the book of First Timothy. Robert Murdoch will take on from verse 12 next week, and between myself and our visiting speakers, we'll work our way through this book. And I want to, to open this morning by painting a little bit of the context of this book so that everything else that comes will flow from that and make sense to us. First Timothy is the first of the pastoral epistles, three letters, two to Timothy and one to Titus that we find towards the end of the New Testament. And these letters, very simply, are written by Paul to these two men as pastors to give them instruction of the things that they are to do and the ways that they are to help build up their fellowships. You'll notice this morning that the words false teacher is in the heading of this morning's passage. And it's a prime example this morning of the instruction that is given. These two men were Paul's shepherding assistants. They were two men that were given the responsibility for helping the church grow, for keeping them on the straight and narrow. So what do we know about Timothy? The first thing we think of when we think of Timothy is a young man. Timothy was born in Lystra, a city in the Roman province of Galatia, which of course is part of Turkey today. Paul led Timothy to Christ during his ministry there on his first missionary journey. And when he revisited there on his second missionary journey, Paul chose Timothy to accompany him and to go with him. And at this point, Timothy was very young. Timothy's age is something that Paul picks up on. But Paul knows Timothy as his disciple, as his friend, as his co-labourer, and he knew him for the rest of his life. He was with Paul in his first imprisonment by the Romans. And Paul frequently mentions him in his epistles. And Paul often sends Timothy to the churches as his representatives. And what we find here in First Timothy is another one of these assignments that he's being sent on to serve as the pastor serving the church in Ephesus. First Timothy that we're going to be looking at is a really practical letter. Timothy knew Paul's theology. He knew the thoughts of Paul. So this isn't a letter that is saturated. This isn't Paul teaching the depths of theology here. But this is Paul saying, look, this is what you need to do to help build up God's people and to protect them. And this epistle expresses so many of those important doctrines, whether that is in this morning's passage, the function of the law, or salvation, or the attributes of God, or the fall, or the person of Christ or election, or the second coming of Jesus. All of these things will be explored in the coming weeks as Paul addresses them. So this is where we come to. We have Timothy, a young pastor, his late 20s, maybe 30. And he is facing some issues in his church here in Ephesus. And there are many issues that are faced here. And Timothy was easily discouraged. And here Paul writes to encourage him. This passage, as you read it and you look at it, you think, my goodness, how are we going to apply false teachers to lockdown? And that is the primary use of this passage for many people, that it will be used to call out a number of false teachers. And absolutely, there is a time and a place for that. And that is right. That is the primary function of biblical eldership, is to maintain the spirituality and protect God's people. And actually, that's what Craig Dyer in chapter 3 will look at in a few weeks' time. But for now, as, as I've been building resources and praying and planning in these last few weeks, the question I can't escape from is how does this help us 
in lockdown because of course all scripture is God breathed all scripture is profitable for us so what is it about this that God is saying to us and I've been drawn to verse 5 this is where I want to come this morning the aim of sound doctrine is love that's what we find in verse 5 what is sound doctrine sound doctrine very simply is the bible taught as the bible was intended sound doctrine is biblical doctrine and paul says here that he's giving this to timothy as a charge this is a a military want this idea of of a command coming from a superior officer he uses this word eight times in these two letters And he was putting this idea across that, Timothy, you're not just a pastor in a difficult city, but you're also a Christian soldier going to fight the enemy. Now, these are the orders that I have given you, so pass them on to the soldiers in your church so that they may be equipped for battle. What were the orders? Make sure that no one teaches anything other than what I have taught you, than what Christ has taught me than what the word has spoken old and new to us at this time Ephesus was plagued with false teachers some of them as we're told turn aside from the truth and that becomes fruitless discussions they were assumed to be teachers of the law but they didn't understand it but Timothy had the word and his goal his aim that he was given was to take the word so that it may be understood why because verse 5 the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith and that's the first thing we want to pull from this is that our charge our goal as Christians is love it is essential that all of us as Christians love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind and it is also vital just two verses later in Matthew 22 that you that you love your neighbor as yourself Jesus says in John 13 by this people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another And he says in John 4, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God, and anyone who does not love does not know God. God is love. You see, it's all well and good us understanding truth. It's all well and good us thinking, great, we have sound doctrine. It is great that we know biblical truth, but if that is not put into action in our lives, what is it? It is nothing. If that truth does not lead us to love the Lord our God with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, with all our hearts, with everything that we are, with every ounce of our beings, what use is it? Anybody can open a Bible and read, but only a heart that is focused on God can read that word, can understand that word as the Spirit reveals it to them. 
and can put that into action in their lives. This is a love that we must constantly be blown away by. This is a love that as we look to God, all we see is his majesty, his mercy, his sovereignty. And that is my prayer in this time. Would we be constantly blown away by the nature of who God is? And from that love that we have of God, that utter awe that we have for our triune God, from there flows love from our life. There flows the fruits of the Spirit. There we become people that are full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That is who we want to be. And in this time, that is who we want to be. I wonder what feeds your soul. I wonder what it is that makes you grow. Of course, it is opening the scriptures ourselves. It is listening to preaching. It is gathering around the communion table. It is worshipping together as God's people. It is being challenged and encouraged by Christian friends. It is opening the word from others to be challenged and to learn. That is where our souls and our minds and our hearts are fed. It is then that we say, God, I love you. You sacrificed your son so that I can know you and your spirit is here with us today and I adore you for who you are. Just together. All of that has changed completely in these last few weeks. Of course, we have technology and it is brilliant for us to be able to do things like this via technology. It's great that we're able to gather round screens to have some kind of spiritual input into our lives. But of course it lacks. This lacks. Because this is not church as God intended it to be. Because we were created for community in the flesh. We were created for fellowship. We were created to be together and when that is taken away for this time and rightly so so that we can love and protect our neighbor we feel that impact i don't know about you but i miss fellowship i miss church i miss communion i miss my family i miss my friends i miss the encouragements i miss just face-to-face conversations about the great things and the not so great things about life and i'm struggling without those things just now and what I want to ask you this morning is what are you going to do with that frustration? What are you going to do with that struggle? Are we going to let from our hearts flow love? Are we going to let love fill our hearts? Or are we going to be people that are full of resentment? Are we going to be people that are frustrated, that are angry, that don't understand, that say, God, why are you letting this happen? And cannot face what he may have for us. So maybe you're in a bit of a similar boat to me. Maybe you're like, okay, this has been a few weeks and I just want to see my church family. And the sad news with that is, in reality, it's going to be probably a significant period of time before we can gather together. We continue to listen to what the government would advise us to do. Whatever frame of mind we are in, I want to look at the three sources of love that Paul talks about here in verse 5. And you know, just as an encouragement, yes, my heart is heavy and yes, I find it difficult not gathering together, but it will not stay this way. 
we will gather together again we will come together as God's people and now is a season of lamenting for us as God's people because we cannot gather but would that fuel the joy that we will know when we gather together again and do you know what if there are some in our midst who may never be able to gather together again physically we will gather together in eternity for an eternity of fellowship for an eternity of worship of the God and our King for an eternity in God's glory how wonderful what we believe and what we do are intrinsically linked the theological words and our orthodoxy and our orthopraxy are linked everything that we do comes from what we believe and love flows from three sources do you know we often view love as weak and I love these words in Songs of Solomon chapter 8 love is strong as death jealousy is fierce as the grave it flashes its flashes are flashes of fire the very flame of God love is not some soppy thing but love actually is the greatest thing that there is so let us read then what are the three things that we as Christians must strive for they are a pure heart a good conscience and a sincere faith a pure heart Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount the Beatitudes Jesus says blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God going further back the way into the Old Testament there is this rich history of these words a pure heart I love the words of the psalmist in Psalm 24 that asks who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place and he answers he who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully who will see the Lord those with a pure heart so what is it for us as Christians to have a pure heart firstly we read that a pure heart is washed by regeneration Titus chapter 3 verse 5 he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit a pure heart is the work of God it is not the work of man God in his rich mercy has come into this world so that we might know him and through his spirit creates a pure heart in anyone who may believe and follow our Lord Jesus Christ and it is those who have been washed by regeneration that will see God as Jesus tells us in Matthew 6 who is it that will see God face to face who is it that can know God it is those with a pure heart it is those who have been transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ through the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives our confidence is in Christ who has cleansed his people with his blood what should be our starting place as a response to this Lord make me clean Lord wash my heart afresh 
today lord renew my spirit this is a great prayer for us to start with if we are tired if we are struggling today cry out to the lord that the lord would wash us afresh with his love and his mercy today would we have a fresh sense of his spirit that is with us the spirit is the great comforter the comforter that is greater than any other comfort we will ever find in this world and a pure heart, as Romans six seventeen tells us, is an obedient heart. We were once slaves to sin, but we have become obedient from the heart. You once were a slave to sin, but now our newfound obedience comes from our heart. You see, the Lord is working. The God, God creates this pure heart in us at the moment of salvation and it is our life's work living that out in obedience to God our hearts were transformed by Christ and now our hearts are focused on him and committed to our obedience of him and in turn our hearts are able to declare I will love the Lord my God with all my heart my soul and my mind and I will love my neighbour as myself Our hearts must be geared towards obedience. A pure heart that is transformed by Christ Jesus, made clean and pure, unblemished in the sight of God, is a heart that leads us to obey God. A really helpful example for me this week was, I don't know if you've caught up with this yet, if you've not, go and watch it. Uh, Colin Goring's Facebook devotion on Friday, I found super, super helpful. It'll be in our week three of devotions on our YouTube channel if you want to catch up as well. And right now, lots of us are cooped up with other people. And I certainly do not envy any of you who have small children or teenagers, though I'm sure they're a wonderful 99% of the time. I do not envy you in this current situation because it's so easy for us to be on top of each other because we're so close together. It's easy for us to snap at one another. It is easy for us to become frustrated. It is easy for our hearts to become full of anger and resentment. Whether we live with anybody or not doesn't really make a difference. It is easy for us to be full of resentment, full of anger and frustration at this time. And that verse, Proverbs 15 verse 1, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I found that a super helpful verse to meditate on in these last couple of days. Lord, would I turn from anger? Would I turn from resentment? Would I turn from harsh words? And would I turn to being a person that is full of the fruit of the Spirit? Would I be a person that is full of encouragement? Would I be a person that is full of patience and peace and joy? Lord, would I be so full of joy that my neighbours that do not know you, would they be consumed with this idea of what is going on here? How is this person as they are in this circumstance? Would we be geared towards the service and the love of Christ Jesus? And likewise, it is so easy for us right now to feel isolated and alone. So, so easy. But the Christian is never alone the Christian is never 
isolated because the God who created the universe the God who came into this world and gave up his life so that you might know him and leaves his spirit here with us today that God is the God that is with you right now maybe they are the words of biblical truth that you need to hear this morning God is with you Christian brother sister you are not alone okay physically yes but God is with you the spirit of God dwells inside you go be emboldened be encouraged because the spirit of the living God is in you pour out your heart to God if we are struggling at the minute there is nothing worse we can do than bottle it up inside ourselves pour your heart out to God because that is what God wants from us God is big enough to carry anything that we might bring to him God is big enough to carry our aloneness God is big enough to carry our sorrow God is big enough to carry our anger we are not big enough to carry it ourselves but go to the God who can carry it all are you loving are you joyful are you full of peace are you patient are you kind are you full of goodness are you faithful are you gentle and are you exhibiting self-control that is love evidenced in our life that is the litmus test of an obedient heart a heart that cries out to God and a heart that is so consumed by the worthiness and the honor of God's name that it drives our hearts to obedience he has set us apart to be holy and pure and we prove this by striving after personal holiness until in glory we will be perfected and without sin secondly a good conscience our minds know what is right and wrong when we sin when we violate God's standards our conscience reacts to that it produces this sense of guilt and shame doubt fear remorse or despair when the spirit convicts us of our wrongdoing those with a pure heart will not be condemned by their conscience but for us to maintain a conscience that is free from offense against God and our neighbor was Paul's goal here would we be people that's hearts are so full of love for God that hearts souls and minds are so set apart and so focused on God that would there be nothing that would come to our conscience would we be engaged in nothing that we would say I shouldn't be doing that what are we filling our heads with just now I'm sure there's lots of us are probably watching more TV than we have ever watched before or whether it be music or whether it it could be absolutely anything but what are we immersing ourselves in at this time there will be things that you know God would not approve of let's take the thing we used to I was certainly told as a teenager growing up would you be doing that if Jesus was sitting next to you if I was to ask that question about everything I do in my life I think some things might change 
What are we doing about it? Are we just shrugging our shoulders and saying, it's okay, my friends are doing it, the media is talking about it, these things happen anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But what are we filling our heads with in this time? Those that are full of love, those that have a pure heart and have a good conscience, want to make what is right with God in obedience to God's law. That obviously is just one example of what are we feeding ourselves with. We could use a multitude of examples for this. How are we treating people at this time? Would be another great example. Is our conscience fixed on Christ Jesus? And actually our consciences can't be fixed on Christ Jesus if we're not fixed on Christ Jesus. If we don't know his word, if we do not know what is given to us, if we do not understand the moral compass that God has set for us, how on earth can our consciences be lined up with that? It's not like when we come to faith or some kind of USB that's stuck in us and we download this moral compass and all of a sudden, great, now I know everything. Of course we don't. It is only as we immerse ourselves in the word of God, as we understand more of God, that our moral compass lines up with the law of God. God. And the third thing, a sincere faith. The hypocritical faith of the false teachers will not produce sincere faith. Because real trust and real love go together. Timothy was marked out a couple of times as being a man that had sincere faith false teachers have dirty hearts that are unclean by the gospel they have a guilty conscience that is triggered by their impure hearts and they have a hypocritical and false faith and that kind of life that kind of heart will never produce love for God and you know the goal of false teachers is never to create an environment of love but it is to fulfill their egos and to line their pockets and consequently as we're told their teachings are nothing but fruitless discussions and it certainly cannot produce love and it certainly cannot produce love which is the fruit of the spirit on Tuesday night at our senior teenagers Bible study we looked at this idea of having authentic faith and I just want to read you this line that we came to on Tuesday we are only authentic when we put aside our pride when we recognize our limitations our weaknesses and our need for help we can only be sincere in our faith I'm interchanging these two words here we can only be sincere in our faith when we lay aside the pride of our human nature and when we recognize our limits we recognize our limitations and our weaknesses and our need for help some of us will be feeling our limitations right now whether that be your workload whether that be your family life whether that be being in such close proximity whether that be the missing of our family and friends maybe that be our inability to grieve maybe that be whatever it is maybe we are feeling close to our limitations just now of who we are or maybe you're confronted by the reality of the temptations that surround you now 24 7 and the reality of your own sinfulness is staring you right in the face 
or whether it's a battle with poor mental health that is just being amplified in this period of isolation. A sincere and an authentic faith to all of those scenarios responds with God, I surrender. I wonder this morning how many of us need to surrender ourselves afresh to God. I wonder how many of us need to still let our barriers go, let our guards down and say, God, I cannot do this on my own. How many of us need to say, God, I have been carrying this burden, I have been carrying the weight of my sin and my shame, I have been carrying my grief, I have been carrying my sadness, I have been carrying whatever it is that I am carrying as this massive weight on my back. God, would you wash us afresh with your biblical truth? Lord, would it lead us to love you? Would we renew our hearts in this season? Would we immerse ourselves in the word of God? Please. Would we be people that in this time are reading our Bibles more than we have ever read them before? How can scripture encourage us? Great example, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's context that with Jesus. God the Son, born of the Virgin Mary lived a miraculous life that pointed to the fact that he was the Messiah. He was killed at the hands of jealous and rebellious men and on that cross Jesus died and he took the sin and the shame for all who believe to the grave with him. And three days later he rose victorious and conquered death so that you and I can know a relationship with Jesus. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And where better is there for us to go if we are weary and we are heavy laden than to bow before the God who has conquered the grave. Don't look to your TV. Don't look to screens. Don't look to your friends. Don't even look to your family for rest. Because true rest, true peace, only comes from God. Rest in the fact that from this morning we learn that it is God who gives us a clean heart. That it is God who restores us. It is God who renews us. It is God who protects. And God is with you in the here and now. That is the truth of the word of God. Paul's charge to Timothy here is present what is right, present right doctrine, present biblical truth, and that will lead to your love of God. That will come from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Do you know, when we understand more of the nature of God, his vastness, his goodness, his mercy, his grace, his sovereignty, his presence, we cannot help but be overawed by who he is. And as we are overall, that love and that adoration flows from our lives. And we love our neighbour as Christ loves us because we are overflowing with the love that God has for us. That's who I want to be. That's who I want to be. And in this season, would we take that opportunity? So very simply, this is a question we'll ask again tonight. But how are you going to spend the rest of this time in isolation? Are we going to spend our time wishing that it was over? 
or are we going to spend our time saturating ourselves in the world and time and time again being overawed by who God is because from an obedient and a faithful heart a love will flow that can transform lives that can transform the lives of our neighbours because it points to Christ Jesus the message of Paul is really quite simple in this opening in First Timothy get your heart right with God be immersed in his word. do not be distracted and the love that will flow from you will honour and love the Lord your God and it will love your neighbour let's pray our Lord and our God this season is such a strange time for all of us Father would you help us not to be too hard on ourselves in this season but would you help us to bring everything before you? Would you help us to bring everything before the cross of your son, Christ Jesus? The only place where we can be forgiven. And would we turn to your spirit that is here with us today? Lord, would we surrender everything that we are? Would we acknowledge who you are? Would we worship you for who you are? Lord, and would you grow us in the fruits of your spirit? And in this time, Lord, would we be a people that know peace? And would we from that be a people that love our neighbours as we should love them? God, you are so, so good to us. We long to gather together as your people once again. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the ways that you are at work. Would you continue to guide us and keep us until one day soon we will be together again. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen.